Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Hello, hello, welcome. We have a great episode. It's all about decisions because life is filled with decisions. Sometimes we have so many decisions and a lack of clarity that we feel frozen, unsure of our next step. And in these moments, it's really hard to tell the difference between what we want and what someone else wants for us. But today, you're going to gain clarity on how to connect with your inner pilot light to make the best choices for you. Let me first say a quick hello before we jump into the interview. Welcome to the most inconsistent podcast on iTunes. Um, <laughs> they always say that with podcasts, it's it's very, very important to be consistent one a week or one every other week, but I am surrendering to the fact that with the baby and working on the amazing Tapping Solution app, that this podcast is going to be inconsistent. And I say this not only to make an excuse for myself, but also to share that if you are thinking about doing something and you've been putting it off because you can't do it perfectly, it doesn't matter. Just start. Doing something is better than nothing. I am proud of every single show I come out with. I absolutely love doing this. Thank you for sticking with me, even though you have no idea when the next show is coming. Maybe in the future, it'll have some consistency. But right now, I am like a nice little surprise, right? It's like, hey, got a new show. And if I say it's a new show, then it means somebody got me super excited. And it's a topic that I love. And Oh my goodness, today is fantastic because I had the chance to speak with the amazing Dr. Alyssa Rankin. Dr. Rankin is a trained physician. Uh, she was trained at Duke University and the University of South Florida and Northwestern University. And for eight years, she was a conventional OBGYN until she was faced with a decision and she followed her own inner pilot light. And we'll learn more about what exactly that is. She followed her own inner pilot light and decided to leave the medical system. And since then, she has become a New York Times bestselling author. She's the author of The Daily Flame, Mind Over Medicine, The Fear Cure, and The Anatomy of a Calling. So I loved it. It was awesome. Quick note before we jump in, if you have not downloaded the Tapping Solution app what are you waiting for? Right now, go to your app store, look up the Tapping Solution. We have this unbelievable free app. You download it and automatically you get 10 free tapping meditations. My personal favorite is the tapping to release anxiety. I use it all the time. So Again, if you haven't downloaded it, get it. Whether you need it now or you think you'll need it in the future, have it on your phone because this is a lifeline. It's unbelievable. So the Tapping Solution app. And now let's jump in. Life is filled with decisions. Sometimes we have so many decisions and a lack of clarity that we feel frozen, unsure of our next step. 
In these moments, it's hard to tell the difference between what we want and what others want for us. But today, you'll gain clarity on how to connect to your inner pilot light. And we're going to learn all about what that is. But to lead the way, we're speaking to Dr. Lissa Rankin. Lissa, thanks for being with us. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a topic that I love because, like I just mentioned, life is filled with decisions. And so often we have trouble finding that guidance. I mean, we live in a world where there's just so many opinions and there's so much noise. So I'm excited to dive in, but I think a good place to start is to get clear on what this inner pilot light really is. Well, I will, um, I'll answer that question by just reading a, a quick bit from my book, The Daily Flame, if that's okay. Yes, please. Because that's exactly how it starts. (laughs) (laughs) What is your inner pilot light? Poet Mark Nepo describes it best. Each person is born with an unencumbered spot, free of expectation and regret, free of ambition and embarrassment, free of fear and worry, an umbilical spot of grace where we were each first touched by God. Every life begins when a small spark of the eternal flame of cosmic consciousness splits off like a glowing ember of a universal bonfire. This unique spark ignites as the organizing intelligence that creates your organs, divides your cells, and develops you perfectly into a precious being decorated with thoughts, preferences, gifts, talents, emotions, and eccentricities. The inner pilot light begins in every baby as the untainted, radiant, buoyant light of God-Goddess but often gets filmed over by trauma, conditioning, and the illusion of separation from the eternal flame from which this unique spark arises. So for me, the inner pilot light is really that, uh, you might call it in theological terms, you would call it the imminent divine. It's the God inside, as opposed to the transcendent divine, the God outside, up there, right? So, Or in, in Hindu terms, you would call it sort of the divine feminine, as opposed to the sacred masculine. So. At that connection, I think of it as sort of a portal, like there's a way through your own body and consciousness to connect to the one consciousness or what some might call the gnosis field, the, the collective consciousness or the field of all knowing. And so when it comes to decisions, what's so cool about the fact that we do have this divine consciousness inside of us that can connect to a kind of organizing intelligence that can see the big picture better than we can. Uh, it gives us great tools when it comes to making decisions that are aligned with the highest good for us and for everything. So it's very different than making decisions from the intellect. I think we've all had that experience, even though we might not know how to articulate it, but those moments of inspiration or that gut feeling or that nudge or a simple knowing, but we don't know where that knowing comes from. So I think we we can look back and see those moments, but those moments aren't always so common and it can get tricky to know the difference between that knowing and you know, all the other opinions and all that other noise. I mean, when we have the knowing, I think we feel it, but to get there is is difficult. Can you kind of give us some clarity about this stance, about how, you know, when do we know when we really know and when are we being influenced by the outside in a way that can negatively impact us? Absolutely. Well, I'll give you a personal example because, you know, my first real 
conscious connection with this kind of knowing or this way of making decisions was when I was 24 weeks pregnant with my daughter, who's now 13, and I was practicing as a full-time OBGYN in a conventional hospital, and I was suicidal, uh, having one of those dark nights of the soul, uh, and and yet here I was pregnant, and I just couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't kill my baby, and I was, you know, in one of those sort of on the floor of the bathroom in the middle of the night kind of moments, just reaching out to, I, I've always, I've always had a connection to a God out there. Uh, and so, I, you know, I was raised in the Christian faith, but left the church when I was 18. But I always had sort of my own personal relationship with something larger than me. And so I'm literally on the floor going like, help, help. And I hear this voice and it was just clear as a bell, um, as if it was in the room with me, uh, although there was nobody there, that said, sweetheart, you're going to have to quit your job. And it was neutral and kind. It was just kind of like clear. There was a clarity to it that was just crystalline. And as soon as I heard the voice say that, my first impulse was relief because it was true. I knew I was going to have to quit my job. I was already taking seven drugs for a whole host of medical conditions that my doctors had told me I would have to take these drugs for the rest of my life. And now I'm suicidal on top of being sick. And I I just had this knowing that I was going to have a heart attack by the time I was 40. I was 35 years old at the time. And the next thing that came through, of course, was, but I can't quit my job, right? So all the resistance just flooded in. But I'm pregnant. My husband doesn't work. I'm the primary caregiver for this family. I have a baby on the way. I have two mortgages. I have. I went to school for 12 years. I have medical school debt, blah, 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 right? And that's all true. I was going to have to pay $120,000 to pay my malpractice tail, which is a whole other thing to be an indentured servant. I didn't have $120,000. So all the resistance comes in afterwards. And then the voice said again, you don't have to do anything right now. You just have to make peace with what's true. Mm, Oh, can you say that one? Let's say that one more time, (laughs) because I think we all have to hear it. Yeah, I want everybody who's listening to think of that that nudge that you've had or that knowing where your guidance has told you that you're going to have to do something hard or scary or risky and you know it's true, but you don't feel ready yet and that's okay. So this voice said, you don't have to do anything yet. You just have to make peace with what's true. Mm. And it took me two years to actually quit my job. So knowing what I needed to do didn't mean that I went and quit my job the next day. Because I had to, I had to wrestle with all of my resistance. And I really, this goes back to the question that you asked me. I really had to wrestle with everybody else because I knew in that moment that it was true and that that was the inevitable path of what I was going to have to figure out how to do. But everybody thought I was insane. Literally, like my, my parents came and, you know, my, my father had ended up dying when my daughter was only uh, two weeks old. So it was mostly my mother um, was coming in going like, honey, you're just having a midlife crisis. Just do what everybody else does. And, you know, go buy a new car or something. Right. Like, and my colleagues are telling me this is absolutely insane. You don't just go to school for 12 years and then quit eight years into your career. My partner who was financially dependent on me was like, you can't quit your job. I'm not going back to work. Like, how are we going to pay the bills? Like I had all of my inner voices screaming at me, but then I had all of my outer voices. Like my best friend 
had been through all of medical school with me. Like she remembers how much I suffered. She's like, you cannot just give this all up. So it was extremely hard for me to protect myself from all of the influences that were outside of me. In addition to all of the inner influences, like all of, I'm a big fan of uh, Richard Schwartz's uh, internal family systems, IFS therapy model. And he, he says that we all basically have multiple personality disorder and our parts, all of the parts of us are at war. They're polarized against each other. So I had this war of my parts and then I had a war with everybody outside of me and it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And yet this thing that I now call my inner pilot light, which is really the leader of your parts, was coming in to make an edict. It was just like, sweetheart, you're going to have to quit your job. Mm -hmm. So I now have a much more solid connection with that sort of guidance and I can sort of, I can access it mostly at will. Um, and it's not, it's not always a voice. Sometimes it comes through as a gut feeling, as you were saying, as a, a physical sensation. Sometimes it's a dream. Like if I ask a question before I go to bed, sometimes I'll have a dream that answers the question. Sometimes it comes as synchronicity, like something outside of me that looks miraculous. Uh, it may come in the forms of different sort of signs. Mm. Like, you just suddenly get an email that gives you exactly like, you know, the minute you read it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the answer to my prayer. And I think it's helpful for everybody to get comfortable with like, what is the most accessible way for you to find that connection for yourself? Because we're all really different. Like, for example, some of the people that I've met, I'm seven years into researching my seventh book called Sacred Medicine that's taken me to the, you know, 16,000 feet in the Andes with Peruvian shamans and Qigong masters in China and uh, Hawaiian kahunas and Balinese healers and such, studying spiritual healing and trauma healing. And one of the things that, uh, you know, part of what I've seen is because I've been talking about this particular issue with all of these different kinds of healers. And they all have their own way of making this kind of connection because it's the same sort of connection that healing work comes through. And so, for example, some of the, some I remember sitting at dinner with two healers who were reading a menu in Bali. And, you know, I'm reading through the menu going, hmm, I don't know, maybe I think I'll have this vegetarian Indian platter, right? But I'm sort of thinking about it intellectually. And they're both going through each menu of the each item in the menu and asking their body. And one of them is going, yes, 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 bingo, tapping her fingers. And the other's body is like literally going, no, 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 no. <laughs> like in this big contraction, they looked hilarious. I'm going, okay, I am, I am the oddball out here because they're literally tuning into their guidance to ask what to order. Right. I love that. Yeah. And like like you said, with experience, we get better at it. So maybe with experience, one day we can get to the point where we're doing that with with the menu. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, that's mastery level. I'm not there yet. Right. <laughs> right. That's, we're talking about the mastery level. But when we're just starting to tap into this, and I think there's moments, at least I have experiences where I have phases in my life where there'll be a certain period of my life where I feel really connected and then a certain period where I don't feel so connected and then I'm back in. So it's kind of this, this back and forth. Um, when, so I, I, what my question is, is for someone who's listening to this and they want to start creating space for that voice, what does that look like? Is there something that we can do 
to be able to, like I said, create space for that voice, to be able to hear it better. Well, you know, again, that's why I say it's important for people to discover the connection point that works best for them. So for example, this book, The Daily Flame, that I just put out in it for Valentine's Day, is 365 of these love letters from your inner pilot light to your wounded parts. And for me, because I'm a writer, I've been a writer my whole life. So when this connection sort of began in 2005, uh, I started a daily practice of writing. And I would literally just wake up in the morning and I would say, okay, inner pilot light, is there something you want me to know today? And I, I would do a sort of automatic writing, like something would just come through my fingers. I'm a really fast typist. And so I would read this thing that I'm not intellectually thinking it, right? It's actually, I mean, I don't like to use the word channel because it sounds like I'm getting something from some dead person or something, but it's like something would just come through me and shock me with the clarity, the insight, the epiphany, the revelation, the wisdom. And so because I'm a writer, um, I started doing that. I started writing these, these morning exercises and sending them to some of my friends because I was so like in awe of what was coming through. And my friends were like, Oh my God, how did you know? That's exactly what I needed to hear today. So I started publishing them as a free daily email that I've been doing for 10 years uh, called the daily flame. And so for me, that was like, that's always a really accessible um, connection point, but some people aren't writers. That's not their style, right? They, they might find that it works better to just sit in meditation and, you know, have maybe a question that you pose as the intention of your meditation or your yoga practice or even your hike outdoors. Some people do really well using oracles. So you might use a tarot deck or you might use your sort of goddess cards. I love actually, and I've been doing this practice with my daughter since she was born. I love using nature as an oracle. So I literally will go to a tree and ask the tree to help me with a problem that I have or help me make a decision and like literally download from the tree. I know that sounds really mystical and it kind of is, but I, the tree will communicate with me. And, you know, if you, if you read the literature of the mystics of the, of the, the spiritual history world, uh, this is a very accessible point for people that have been able to develop those sorts of relationships with nature. So you can ask the ocean, you can ask the river, um, some people have, you know, altar objects that they kind of create like a home altar and they may literally go up to their altar and just feel resonance with a particular object and um, receive kind of information from that object. I personally, it's funny because I was talking to one of the gurus that I was working with as part of my uh, sacred medicine research and he was saying why is it that uh, for him, he talks to what he calls the organizing intelligence and he can just ask the organizing intelligence questions and get a direct yes, no. Yes. So it's all about asking the right question for him. He has, he experiences the yes as like a feeling of, like he's falling in love, like it's a heart opening chest expansion. And he experiences the no as the absence of that. And so he's really clear on that. And he said, how come you seem to get all of your answers on the outside? Because I get a lot of my guidance externally through synchronicity. And like you, those periods of flow where the guidance is just streaming through seem to come in waves. I call them the quickening. And I know some of you can probably relate to that, where you feel like you're really just in the flow and like everything is guiding you in a kind of 
trippy sort of way can be a little overwhelming. It's like things just start to line up and you feel like you're sort of in the current and then the current will slow down, right? And you're like, oh, it sort of stopped. And I always think of those as my integration times where you can start to actually let it land and ground, put your feet back in the earth and really digest those kinds of experiences. Right. I, you know, for me, I mean, obviously this won't be a big surprise to people who are listening, but when I do tapping, after I do tapping, I give myself just space. Like I, I'm not someone who can just sit and without doing anything, start meditating because I am, I am just a really big thinker, which I think is why I've loved tapping because it helps me get back into my body. And by first letting out, like first really acknowledging whatever I'm thinking about or worrying about, once I acknowledge that with the tapping, then it's, I feel like I have that space. Um, and the other thing that came to mind as you were speaking is when I lived in New York, I would, I didn't even consciously do this. I just found myself in this pattern that when I was really stuck, I'd find myself on my bike going down the West Side River and going down the Hudson and going to the Statue of Liberty. And I would talk to the Statue of Liberty, like in my head, you know, I'd sit there looking at the water, looking at the Statue of Liberty and kind of just explaining to her what was going on. And I always felt because she's a, this symbolism, the symbol of, of freedom. And there's something I think magical about her essence, you know, the intention behind what the Statue of Liberty is to this country. I would find myself with more inspiration. So I, I, think this is important. This is kind of a fun thing to do because I, I was doing it with that, but I haven't done it recently. Like I haven't like asked a tree or had a conversation with, um, you know, someone, my a grandmother who's deceased, but it's that idea of like letting yourself be inspired by the energy that's around you and being able to have a conversation with your own mind. But instead of the monkey mind, like being stuck in your own mind, you're inviting something else in. Totally. A different energy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another tool, right? like I said, I'm a fan of internal family systems. And part of what I love about the IFS version of meditation, it's similar to what you were saying about the tapping, Jessica. The way Dick Schwartz teaches meditation is he teaches it literally to sit down and just notice what your parts are saying, right? Like make, he calls it kind of a parts conference. Like imagine, sit down and visualize that you're sitting down with all of the inner children inside of you and all of your resistant parts and all of your anxious parts and all of the parts that are trying to figure out what to do next or the parts that are worried about money or the parts that are stressed about your kids or, or whatever, right? And you just say, okay, you, you sort of sit down as if your inner pilot light is at the head of the conference table and you just let everybody express what's going on so that they don't feel, in fact, he says that parts hate Vipassana. Like they hate it when you say, imagine that they're just clouds floating by in the sky. <laughs> it's like they get insulted. They think they're trying to protect you. All those monkey mind thoughts are parts that are trying to protect you. And they got their jobs when you were really young. And they think that really bad things are going to happen if they stop doing their job. And so the more you give them sort of acknowledgement, kind of like you're doing with tapping, the more you give them acknowledgement, the more they know that you're listening and that you actually are considering what they're saying without blending with those parts. In other words, you're you're sitting around just as if you had an external family saying, okay, we're going to make a family decision here. Everybody gets to have a say. 
Except in this case, the leader is the inner pilot light that says, all right, thank you. I hear from all of you that quitting my job as a doctor sounds like a really bad idea. And I hear that you're terrified that we're going to wind up living homeless under a, you know, an overpass in a box. I hear that. Thank you. I've taken that into consideration. (laughs) But then the inner pilot light is the one that after taking consultation from all the parts makes the final choice. Right. And that means the intellectual part can have a say as well, right? There's nothing wrong with the intellect. Thank God for the intellect when it comes to doing your taxes, right? It's just that the intellect doesn't do a very good job of considering the the, the bigger picture, sort of the grand orchestra of what is aligned for you and what your soul came here to live and experience and teach even, grow. And so the intellect will keep you really limited if you're just making decisions based on pros and cons and sort of trying to weigh how to avoid regret, how to get what you want, how to avoid what you don't want, then you're going to miss out on a lot of the experiences that will actually potentially create a life of far greater joy and thriving and mystery (laughs) because all of this lives in the realm of mystery and the intellect doesn't like mystery. It likes knowing and certainty. And as soon as you get into the realm of the unknown or the uncertain, then the intellect and many of your other parts will get uncomfortable. And so that's where I think the the connection point with this inner spark, this inner knowing, this intuition, if you want to call it that, gets really practical because the inner pilot light thrives in the mystery, thrives in the uncertainty and the unknown. And so I know for me, like, if you had told me when that When that little voice told me, sweetheart, you're going to have to quit your job. If you had told me that I would go on to write seven books and run the whole Health Medicine Institute, which is a consciousness and healing training program for physicians, and, you know, be do four TED Talks and two PBS specials and travel all over the world talking about mind, body, spirit medicine, I would have, first of all, I would not have done it because I would have been terrified. I'm a total introvert who hates the spotlight. And second of all, like, I could not have intellectually planned this journey because the whole path was just one little breadcrumb, like, sweetheart, you're going to have to quit your job. There's a breadcrumb, right? Step one. But I didn't get step two until two years after I did step one, Mm -hmm. right? So, and it's, it's as if I had, it was like a test of my, my moxie, you know, like, my courage. Yes. Uh, if I was willing to take the next step, then then I would get the next breadcrumb. But I wasn't given a path of breadcrumbs like a work plan, you know, or a business plan of here's how you're going to create this thriving business that I now run, right? So it's been quite terrifying, but also, so, and each of those breadcrumbs was a step into the mystery and it still is. Right now, I am getting a whole I'm in one of those currents. I'm getting a whole series of guidance about a nonprofit project that I'm really excited about, but I'm terrified about it because it feels overwhelming and far bigger than I intellectually have any idea how to create it. Yeah. I think one of the biggest takeaways so far, at least for me in this conversation, when it comes to decision-making and listening to that inner pilot light is that 
when we listen to that light, it doesn't mean that we need to have all of the answers or make all of the decisions. I think what keeps us frozen and stuck is this idea that we need to have a clear path before we start. That's very masculine principle, right? And so most of our culture teaches us to operate in the masculine principle, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some projects work really well with a masculine principle where you start with the end in sight, and then you break it down into a series of doable action steps, and then you delegate and create a team that's going to put those action steps in place. And, you know, some projects like putting a man on the moon work really well with that kind of structure. But I know for myself and for many of the women that I have worked with in my mentoring program and in the Whole Health Medicine Institute, which is almost all female doctors, um, what I'm finding is that for women, that, that approach is often an approach that leads to stress, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, illness, uh, and spiritual disconnection. And this feminine principle path of just surrendering to the mystery, like giving yourself up to the mystery, like casting your burdens into the mystery and asking for help, asking for guidance, being in that place of humility of, I don't know, and it's okay that I don't know. And I'm going to make this commitment to be obedient to the guidance that comes through. And I'm going to trust that it may only come one breadcrumb at a time. And my work is to deal with the resistant parts and let them learn to trust me so that I can have the courage to take the, just the next right step. That's it. That's all we need is just the next right step. So for me right now, um, I'm looking at this project that I've been working on for five years where I have this vision. Well, I should say I have a social justice part that is very triggered by the fact that a lot of the healing work that I've been studying in the realm of trauma healing, energy healing, shamanism, energy psychology, these realms, it's a luxury good. And the people that are the most sick or traumatized are not able to access these things. Most EFT practitioners don't accept insurance, for example. Most energy healers or shamans or uh, mind-body medicine doctors or functional medicine doctors, they, they don't accept insurance, right? So it's cash pay. The doctors that I train in the Whole Health Medicine Institute, many of them leave the system because they want an hour with their patients. They're charging $400 or $500 an hour. So uh, I uh, have been visioning creating healing circles where people have, first of all, they have community because we know that loneliness is one of the number one public health issues that people face, and it's huge predisposing risk factor for disease. But also, can we create content that uh, can help us do group healing work, where the group itself is doing healing work, almost like you would like a 12-step circle or Mankind Project, the way they're doing men's work. So I'm working with a bunch of healers to try to create what that content is so that we can create these free, accessible, scalable healing circles where that kind of healing is accessible to anybody who is on re- in recovery from illness, injury, or trauma. Um, so we're sort of a year and a half into the beta test of this, but it's very overwhelming project for me, right? But all I need, and, and I right now I have two philanthropists willing to fund it. I have all these celebrities willing to broadcast it with with their networks. And all I need to know right now is I need to find somebody who can actually write uh, 
a sort of proposal for my philanthropists because I don't know anything about running a business or working in the nonprofit world. So all I need to know is find the person to hire to do that part. That's it. Once I find that person and I just went to Transformational Leadership Council and planted that seed and got a whole bunch of leads. That's all I need to know. If I start looking at the whole picture of how do I actually uh, implement this vision, I have no idea how to implement this vision. And you would feel overwhelmed. I do feel overwhelmed when I even try to think that there is an answer to that. Right, right. But if I just, like literally, I was just talking to Tara Carnegie of the Carnegies, who's like, okay, I'm going to give you full funding, right? Here's here's what I need. She's telling me what she needs. I don't know how to give her that. I just need to find somebody who knows how to write down on a piece of paper what my philanthropists need. That's it. Right. And if you just focus on that one step, that one decision, and then that's that one breadcrumb, it'll lead to the next thing. That's right. Right. And I use, you know, when it comes to things like that, all right, so maybe I'm going to be um, interviewing a few people, right? Which one do I choose? Now I've got a decision to make. This is where I often will um, bring in multiple tools. So I use muscle testing, for example, and I have to always say the disclaimer. I The way that I teach muscle testing in my in the book that's not out yet, the Sacred Medicine book, um, it's very specific. Most people do it wrong. And I've interviewed hundreds of people that use it, and many of them are misusing it and actually harming people with muscle testing. So I always have to use the disclaimer. But... But I might use muscle testing for choosing this person, or I might look for that feeling of heart opening where I meet someone and I just know in my heart this person and I have a soul connection and a resonance and that we're going to do this project together. Or there might be a synchronicity where somebody comes in and has my mother's name, right? (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's my mother. This person has my mother's name. This is my sign, right? So, but I'm looking for all of those. Like, I will often, this is another thing I think is important to say, is if you think you're being guided to do something and you're not sure, the discernment process is really, really important because we all have parts that kind of pretend to be our inner pilot light, right? But they're not. Dick Schwartz calls them self-like parts. They're like inner pilot light-like. They're sort of faking it because they have an agenda because the inner pilot light never has an agenda. It just is in service to the highest good. That's it. And so one of the things that I will do, if I'm not clear, I sort of feel like I'm, I have a leading. I'm, I'm being led in a particular direction, but I can't quite tell. I will always, in my own form of prayer, ask for confirmation. I think I'm being guided to go this way. Show me another sign. Give me another. Like, you're allowed to ask for as much confirmation as you need. <laughs> I love that. Yes, you're allowed to ask. And if I'm not clear, then the answer is take no action yet. That I think is really important because sometimes we think it's yes or no, and that's not it. It's yes, no, or wait. No. Sometimes, very often, the answer is wait. Things are getting rearranged in the universe to prepare for what's coming, and it's not ready yet. And so I tell, right now I'm interviewing people for my visionary mentoring program, and I always tell the women that I'm uh, interviewing that there's no pressure. Like there's literally, there, there is an actual start date to the program. So there is a sort of um, time sensitivity to it. But what I tell people is if you don't get a whole body yes to do this program, that's not yet. 
and maybe you're supposed to do it next year. Maybe there's a reason for that, right? So a maybe is a no, not yet. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I only want people who do my programs that are like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they're not a hell yeah, something's not, they're not ready for it yet. Maybe they're just, maybe something else is working in, you know, in the background of their psyche or something else in their life is about to happen to prepare them to be a hell yes at a different time. So any, I always tell people, if you ever feel like you're being pressured with time and you think that's your guidance, it's not because your guidance is never in a rush. Oh, I love that. Now it may, that I'll make one caveat. It, you may get guidance that is time sensitive. So for example, I just got interviewed for a film that was made by the guy who created a fantastic documentary called PGS, your personal guidance system. And his, he, he became interested in this topic when he was driving down the road at full speed in his car and he heard a voice that said, stop. And he slammed on the brakes right as he was about to go through a green light when a semi went through the red light and would have crushed him. Wow. And so sometimes it will be time sensitive in that way. Stop now, right? And that actually, when, you're, when your inner pilot light communicates with you in an emergency, then it's often very clear and very quick. And you either pay attention or you don't, you know? So he was lucky. He actually slammed on his brakes. So, but short of an emergency, aside from emergency situations, usually there's not, there's not pressure. It's just like the guidance that I got. Sweetheart, you're going to have to quit your job. All you have to do right now is make peace with what's true. Right. Right. I love that. Well, Lisa, as we wrap up here, I have two questions that I love to ask all new guests. And um, the first one is if you could share with us something that happened in your life that in the moment seemed horrible, but ended up becoming a big blessing. Oh my gosh. Well, the, the thing that ultimately, I'll, I'll answer the obvious one because we're on this conversation already. The thing that ultimately led me to quit my job was that when I, I, I delivered my baby by C-section, so I had just had surgery and my father had flown out to be with me because he was dying of a brain tumor. And my brother came out to be with me and my dad because my father was planning on dying in San Diego with me and, and we had just set him up with hospice. My brother wound up in full-blown liver failure as a side effect of Citramax. My dad was in hospice. I had an open wound on my belly and a new baby. My dog died. And then my daughter's father cut off two fingers with his left hand uh, with a table saw and had 10 hours in surgery to replant his fingers but couldn't take care of the baby. And I was supposed to go back to work at four weeks postpartum with a C-section. This all happened in two weeks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I called it my perfect storm and it was the catalytic event. I mean, I thought like, I'm not going to survive this, right? I was already suicidal a few weeks before and I thought I'm not going to survive this. But it was so obvious to me that the way that I was living my life had absolutely no room for catastrophe and catastrophes happen. Mm. We all, most of us have had at some point in life, a perfect storm. And if, if life doesn't have room to um, address the, the traumas of everyday life that, that happen to all of us, then you're not on the right path. And that just became crystal clear 
and was the impetus for actually following through on what my guidance had shown. And I, I was just, I'm doing a second edition of my bestseller, Mind Over Medicine, uh, which I, I was just writing in the revised edition that I don't think I could have ever written that book if my father hadn't died. And because my father was a physician and he was very conventional with a ton of contempt for anything in the realm of woo, right? Like <laughs> anything that was in any way um, beyond uh, evidence-based medicine, anything that lived at all in the mystery was um, subject to his contempt. And so there was a kind of liberation in as much as I adored my father and was grieving terribly when he died right after my daughter was born. It also opened a, a, a possibility for me. So I have lots of stories like that. I, I, I call it post-traumatic growth. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And last question. Uh, it sounds like a silly one, but it's my favorite. If you could be any animal, what would you be and why? Oh, dolphin. Oh, you did not hesitate. <laughs> Dolphin, come on. Like they are having so much fun all the time. Yes. Whenever I find myself like too busy worrying about saving the world or this next activist project or whatever, I'm like, gosh, dolphins are not worrying <laughs> about how to get healing circles all over the planet, right? They're just like right. playing and loving, playing and loving, playing and loving. Oh, I love that. And uh, so, listen, you have this great book, The Daily Flame, 365 Love Letters from Your Inner Pilot Light. And I'm guessing it's sold where all books are sold. Yes. And tell us how the listeners can keep in touch with you. Well, specifically for the Inner Pilot Light work, innerpilotlight.com has the information about the book. It's where you can sign up for the free daily flame. And it has an audio program called connect to your inner pilot light. That's on a sliding scale. So I made it intentionally affordable for everybody because I think this is peacemaking work. We, we, we need to know how to do this at a collective level, given the scale of what's happening on our planet right now. And then my, all of my other work and programs and books and blogs and all of that is at listarankin.com. I have lots of free content. I blog a lot about sacred medicine uh, since that book hasn't come out yet and probably won't come out for another couple of years. I'm trying to keep my readers updated on what I'm learning as I go. That's my website, lissarankin.com, L-I-S-S-A-R-A-N-K-I-N.com. That's brilliant. Well, Lisa, thanks so much for spending time with us. You're always welcome here. It was a real pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. And thank you to everybody who is listening. I know this can be sort of a disruptive kind of revolutionary idea to uh, have a different way of making decisions beyond the intellect. So I just always like to like cheerlead people who are even considering uh, living an inner pilot light led life. So thank you. Absolutely. We're cheering you all on. Thanks again. <laughs>